Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. This is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we are going deep into how to invest as much as we can possibly uh, do like Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, um, two of the best investors in the world, and whose investing strategies I would say are extremely unpopular right now. I would, I think, actually. I'd say that's actually quite a fair comment. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the world has now moved into hyperspace or hyperaction where patiently waiting for an opportunity to buy something you really understand is become well it's just well it's because it's so long to wait it's so long to wait i guess i guess it's long to wait i don't know if it's long to wait i mean the last time was just a year ago yeah that's fair that's true (laughs) things blew wide open i think it was so quick though that i mean we've we've talked about this extensively that it was so quick um, that many people didn't realize it was it was the right time to buy, that they had to jump on it right then, including me and including you. Including and, Warren. And including Warren Buffett. Absolutely. So I think that's part of it is if we had had like three months of that, I think people would be feeling a lot more like, okay, we did have a chance, but the three days that we had. I don't know if I I'm ready to include myself in that error. Entirely. Oh my! Oh, I mean, we are now up, man, about thirty-one percent since last March, or since even. Well, that's since great, but I swear that January. you told me that there were things that you wanted to buy that you didn't get around to. Oh yeah, for sure. That's I was what being I meant. too humble. <laughs> because you characterize that as missing the opportunity. We didn't miss the opportunity entirely. We missed yeah. it somewhat. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't, didn't miss it entirely either. Truck. That's not what I meant. Okay, good. But Warren actually missed it entirely. I thought that was pretty interesting. To a, to, a, in the sense of buying something that was not his own company, he bought a load of Berkshire. Yeah. But he otherwise just completely didn't um, react to companies that went on sale. I think part of that is just the sheer size of Berkshire, be able to find a monster whale that's worth buying, you know, compared to what we were buying, which is predominantly, you know, would be rounding errors if they double uh, for Berkshire. You know who could help us try to understand how to handle this kind of disappointment? uh, Who? One Mr. Charlie Munger. Absolutely right. If only there were some short quotes that you could read to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's do, let's do. And let's start off with right off the bat, a bit of humbleness, oh. which is that you have to acknowledge what you don't know. Acknowledging what you don't know is the dawning of wisdom. God, I agree with that. A it, thousand it percent. 
It is Charlie's habit in life to try to disprove things that he knows are true and has known are true for decades. And gets he gets the greatest kick out of discovering that some you know foundational paradigm in his thinking is absolutely a mistake. So we started last episode, dad started reading to me these short quotes from Charlie Munger. And it was just so much fun. So we're going to keep going with it. And they're just like off the internet, nothing special. Probably some of them aren't quite correct, but close enough. Um, and it's just it's just fun to like get a little dose of wisdom. Well, and, so, and yeah. to credit to credit the the guys that put this together, I don't know who they are exactly, but it's a company called Grace or it's a website called graciousquotes.com. So we'll, we'll give them a tip of the hat. Good job. They've, they've something like 81 quotes from Charlie Munger, so you can go Gracious Quotes Charlie Munger and this will come up. Perfect. And uh, you can see we're cherry picking. There's not, we're not going through all 80. Oh, you're not going through all 81? Mm-mm, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm just jumping uh, along here. Okay. Um, so when Charlie yeah. says you have to acknowledge, what does he say? You have to acknowledge what you don't know? But effectively, you have to acknowledge what you don't know. And um, I'm going to say that that applies, you know, brutally so in the investing world. You yeah. must recognize what you don't know. And we've talked about this before, the the, um, the dangers of hubris and over-optimism, uh, the dangers of, uh, of thinking you know more than you know, and getting into that area where you really didn't realize that you didn't know something. And this is a huge, huge mistake. And actually, I think Charlie said once that if there's one thing he could point to that he and Warren are world class at, it's this, acknowledging what they don't know and staying away from it. It's actually a lot harder than it sounds. It it's really, really hard. It's really hard to know when you don't know something. It's really it Sometimes is. it's obvious because somebody else is there who does know it and it's clear that they have different information and much better information. But a lot of the time there isn't that other person there and you're just yourself inside your own head going like, what is it that I'm missing? What the yeah. heck is happening here? Yeah. And I think, you know, something that for me really pops up as a corollary to what Charlie said to try to be aware of what you don't know is not to take an outcome as an indication that I knew something or I didn't know something. Because just because the stock market, as we know, to be a very unreliable witness, or just because we, you know, even in our normal lives outside of investing, get some sort of result, doesn't necessarily mean that that choice was based on full information. Nor does it mean that that choice was necessarily right or wrong at the time. The outcome is separate from the decision. And that's something I really try to remember as I go over my decisions and try to determine if there were, because there's always things I didn't know. So yes, there are things I didn't know and what those things were that could help me make a better decision in the future. Yeah, if we buy something that doesn't turn out well, which rarely happens. (laughs) God. We, we, we definitely take a point of view that we screwed up um, and, and we start there. And maybe we shouldn't be so aggressively uh, um, self-critical, but it, it is very difficult to not be very critical when, when something doesn't go well. And, um, and I think the good thing of that, of being critical, is you dig in immediately to say, what was it that went badly wrong here? And it, as you said, there's always mistakes. 
And then you look at them to see, well, are those critical mistakes? And the answer is often yes. Uh, almost, I don't know of any time when I really screwed up and lost money that it wasn't, an ob on hindsight, an obvious mistake that I should mm -hmm. have known better. And I got, I just got too confident. I just got over optimistic. What, what's even worse is I've gotten um, this horrible confirmation bias going, which is such a killer here. I really, that's probably my worst fault is, is, and, and perhaps my greatest strength is recognizing that. And so I really work hard to not get caught up in confirmation bias. Mm. I drive my analysts nuts. <laughs> they, they really do have a problem where I'm taking them back over well-plowed ground again and again and again to, to just deal with my own insecurity that I haven't, that I'm, I'm operating on a confirmation bias, that I'm somehow giving too much credit to my own point of view here. Yeah. And um, I work hard not to. So that's. Yeah. That's well, and what I that does is know. keep you from having this external, what is, what do they call it? A, a weighing machine. Um, oh yeah. The, that the market's a, a weighing it's a machine voting in the machine. long run, a voting machine in the short run. Yeah. Right. Um, it keeps it from, let's call it the voting machine, because that's what you're looking at from day to day, right? Um, from either confirming or disproving that decision. So it, it prevents that confirmation bias to some extent. And does that make sense? Not really. Did I say it weirdly? <laughs> <laughs> so... So the voting machine. So is looking at day to day stock market you up in emotion. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's right? what if you're using it to decide if you made a good decision or not, then you're never going to know if you made a good decision or not because it doesn't actually reflect whether or not um, that decision was based on solid facts and solid information. Which is why Charlie and Warren talk about in the long run, it's a weighing machine. So the long run result will tell you if you had a good decision-making process or not. The short-term result, looking at it today, you right. know, six months after you bought it or something, or six right. months after you passed on something, may not actually be the uh, the information that you need. And there's there's where the world has changed um, for investors, I think. The, the, the investor revolution that I feel like we've been participating in is to bring modern tools, like the internet-type tools, to um, the the long-term investor who has been stuck in a massively diversified portfolio doing indexes and mutual funds with the mediocre returns that result from that, necessarily result from that. Um, we've been basically bringing the internet tools to someone and saying, okay, now connect with what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger do because now you have the capability of doing it. Mm. It doesn't take, you know, nine hours a day. And um, to do this, and what, and the where the world has gone in the last year, year and a half, is toward massive trading where it's all about the voting machine. It is nothing about the weighing machine, to the extent that um, there is no weighing machine in the minds of any of these people out there who are driving these stocks. Um, it is a hundred percent voting, and they're trying to beat out the other voters. Right? It's just okay if I can jump in and they're doing it intentionally they're they're very aware of of the game which is to hype a stock like crazy jump in on the hype continue hyping it yourself 
and see if it'll blow up and then get out before the hype ends, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the game. That's the game. It's nothing about what we do in that game. So what's it's another one from Charlie? Let's, All right, let's make sure our mindset is correct. Okay, here we go. It takes the character to sit with all that cash and do nothing. I think it means it takes character. It takes character to sit with all that cash and do nothing. I didn't get where I'm going by going after mediocre opportunities. Ah, right? so he's saying skip over the mediocre opportunities. That's the waiting. It's not about being good at waiting. <laughs> it's about not biting on the mediocre opportunities. Well, how is that not being good at waiting? I mean, well, it's not like hard. waiting alone is a virtue. It's waiting for a reason. It's not he's okay. not saying wait just to torture yourself. Right. Right. Well, I I think actually to make make this clear, um Charlie says something that we're effectively like passive aggressive investors. We're very yeah. passive, very passive, very passers. And then when we have an opportunity, we load up the truck. So you might find yourself buying eight companies over a period of two months um, and not buy anything for two years. It, it, it is that sense. So here's, here's the problem. If you haven't set your mind to being patient and to being willing to wait with a pile of cash, that's burn, it, it burns a hole in your pocket, particularly if, you're doing, if it's other people's cash. Right. It really burns a hole in your pocket. And this is where the um, what we'd call the institutional imperative comes screaming at you. If you're if you're managing a fund, which is 85 percent of the money in the market is fund managed money. It comes tearing at you, it tears at your entire emotional structure every day. If you're just sitting there doing nothing, because what you know is that people are sitting there waiting for you to do something and the more nothing you do, the more likely they are to take their money away. Mm -hmm. And that money is your paycheck. So there's an absolute institutional imperative to do something and be smart all the time. And Buffett characterizes this by saying, you know, it's like you're standing at the plate ready to get pitched to in a baseball game. But the game is different. You're, and you've got, you've got the crowd out there behind you screaming, swing, you bum. And right. while they're saying swing you bum, that's what Charlie means when it says it takes character to sit with that cash and do nothing. He's talking about Buffett and Berkshire doing nothing right now with $140 billion and everyone, all the Berkshire shareholders screaming swing you bum or give me my money. Yeah, that's a great point that that's the character building part of it. It's the outside pressure coming yes. in. I think, as I'm sure many do of that scene in the big short where the guy who plays Michael Burry is like avoiding the phone calls yes. and oh it's getting to be torture God. and he yes. unplugs the phone and shuts all the lights off and tries to hide because he yes. can't deal with it, but he's not going to change his mind. Right. That's character. Absolutely. That was a great or insanity. Scene. It's that, character or it's insanity. And it turned out with him, it's character. <laughs> it's character. That guy is a really good investor. If you want to put him on your guru list, it would not be a bad thing. Michael Burry, B-U-R-R-Y. Yeah. And when he files 13 Fs, you should take a look at him. It's very interesting what he's buying into yeah, right it's, now. It's very interesting. Which we could cover in another We totally podcast. could because it's not mm -hmm. the stuff you see in a lot of other value investor. 13 Fs. 
Now, this is a sobering quote. Okay. All right, here we go. It's not supposed to be easy. Anyone who finds it's easy is stupid. <laughs> I love that. I love I'm that one. Down, I'm writing down 13 up so I don't oh forget. Oh my God. Tell me it again. It's, Tell me it again. It's not supposed to be easy. Anyone who finds it's easy is stupid. In other words, <laughs> these guys right now, who and this would apply to everybody, including me, that you know, you jump into something and you just you really haven't done the work and you make money on it. And you go, whoa, this is easy. This is this is I should have been doing this years ago. And you go, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. It it's in it back to the big short. It's the strippers in Las Vegas buying six homes with no solid job at all and getting the money, getting more than the money to buy the home. And, and it's just easy. It's like, we all are doing it. We know? all are doing like, it. We all are doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally cool. So if you find it that, like that, you're being stupid. So, you know, go, go figure out uh, what you don't know because you're jumping into that world that you don't know anything about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, here we go. Um, wow, that's not really that helpful. <laughs> here we go. This is very helpful. We recognized early on that very smart people do very dumb things, and we wanted to know why and who so that we could avoid them. Oh, I am like all over that one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's so powerful. This is the key, I think, to my investing smart people do dumb things in all sorts of ways and situations and i suspect that right there charlie's specifically talking about smart investors do dumb things yes but i think about it in all ways people who run companies do dumb things people who sell companies do dumb things people who buy companies do dumb things People who do the marketing for companies do dumb things. Like there's dumb things all over the place because we're so human and so flawed. And the people who don't think about that are the ones who tend to think everything's just going to keep going along swimmingly and buy General Motors and stay in it forever, you know? When, uh, it doesn't when go Charlie like that. No, nah, it doesn't. When Charlie and Warren um, had to go babysit Salomon Brothers... Mm. traders when great the, uh, example yeah when the treasury notes uh, fiasco happened and the government was going to basically shut down solomon brothers um buffett had a big loan out to them so he went he asked the government that if they would please based on his own uh, track record if they would allow him to go and help him unwind these problems without shutting down solomon and he and charlie set their day after day after day watching very smart people, the smartest people in the room, absolutely the smartest people on Wall Street, doing the dumbest things and knowing that they were doing dumb things and just continuing to do them, as Charlie said, 
using these formulas that were based on complete nonsense hmm. and doing them because they did the math well. They knew how hmm. to do the math. They knew how to get the answer of that yeah, formula. Yeah, they knew how to get the answer. And they, they got precisely wrong answers rather than, you know, generally right ones. So <laughs> it, it, yeah, there's, a, there's a thing out there where um, more and more we're seeing Nobel Prizes awarded in behavioral finance that say that, yeah, the market yeah. is full of this kind of activity of very smart people doing dumb things over and over again. And so what we do want to do as rule one investors is understand why they do that and then avoid that. Avoid doing that yourself, right? I mean, it's and a little the, bit the human condition, don't you think? Um, I think it's a little bit the human condition. I think it's a hundred percent the human condition. Like that's why behavioral be finance is so behavioral economics is such a huge disruption to economic theory because economic theory has been based for eons on the reasonable person. And right. all of a sudden behavioral economics psychologists are going, wait a second, this reasonable person that we're basing all of our projections on doesn't actually exist because humans hardly, make hardly exist. Hardly, hardly, hardly. Sure. Yeah, hardly. Because humans tend to make decisions based on non-reasonable or uh, reasons that are reasonable to them in the moment, yeah. but are not Actually, necessarily the, the most, way a, a researcher think the would think. brilliant things that you ever did was point out to all of us that the fund managers aren't irrational in the sense that they're being crazy when they do things. They're being very rational when they do things, but their reasons for doing them, as you're just pointing out, are very different than what you would expect as an investor in what they do. Their reasons for doing things are to preserve their position in the, in, on Wall Street, to keep their job, uh, to preserve their capital. They understand how to preserve capital rather than make money, mm -hmm. right? Their job mm -hmm. isn't to make money per se. It's to preserve capital. And if you can make money, you What's course, rule number capital. one? Yeah, don't lose money. But <laughs> even that doesn't apply. To these guys it's just don't lose as much as the dow yeah make sure right? you can defend your loss yeah defend your losses um you know stay with the herd don't get separated from the herd that's where the lions will come and get you yeah those things become fundamental paradigms of wall street and and people don't understand that and what's what is so brilliant about what you when you discovered that or realized it is that i still have never seen anybody discuss that not to this day, not any behavioral econ economist, no, no one is pointing out that the incentives on Wall Street, well, maybe with the exception of Jason Zweig in the, in the Wall Street Journal, who's on top of a lot of this, is pointing out that the incentives on Wall Street drive these guys to do what would be considered irrational in the long term. Yeah. And yeah. that's why the market gets so crazy from time to time. So, yeah, I, I, I thought that was really pretty, pretty brilliant when you came up with that. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Next one. I mean, it's Here a huge go. part of startup work, frankly, incentive theory and, and making sure that you understand why everybody's doing what everybody's doing. So it comes very naturally to me. And I think maybe that's why that's so interesting to me in my investing choices as well. My investing research, I should say. Yeah. So when Charlie says, you know, we want to know why they do it, they've never discussed that why. 
right? The, Wait, say words, that, that again. When Charlie says... Well, Charlie's, Charlie's wanting to say we want, we're looking at people who are doing dumb things and, and want to know why. Ah. Well, they've never discussed, and to my knowledge, that their peer group, the people who are managing money out there, are doing irrational things because it's in their benefit to do so. There's, in other words, it's not irrational. It, it would be very much sort of Adam Smith 101. People right. do things that are in their benefit to do them. You just thought the guy was going to do things in your benefit because you're his investor. And yeah. that's a mistake. You you didn't realize that he's going to do things that are benefiting him because if he does them right, you'll leave your money there. And I This think, is what they've learned. And I think they're also thinking, uh, why are people buying and selling a certain company a certain stock you know why if this stock just had some bad news and the news is temporary why are all these people selling all of a sudden sure and making the price go same, down same same exact theme same exact right. theme exactly yeah. so but that's how they that's how they've made their money for 40 years so so and, that's the kind I'm, of thing i think they're thinking of like why are all these people selling they're smart they're not dumb so why are they selling? And do they have different reasons than we might think are important? And if they do, then that turns out to be a great opportunity. It's fascinating. It really is. I, I don't think I've ever heard Warren and Charlie say, these guys are doing this stuff because they get paid. I don't think they've ever said that. They, they're always talking about how maybe Charlie in his most outspoken moment is going to call them witch doctors and faith healers because they're <laughs> operating on a set of theories that are completely BS, flat earth stuff. But the reality of it is that there's a quite a lot that goes on that's quite rational if you're a fund manager. Yeah. It's not rational as an investor, but it's very rational as a fund manager. You want to keep your job and keep your assets. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Next okay. One, one right? more. One more. Last one. Really? Oh, darn. All right. These are great. We can do more next time. Okay. You need patience discipline, and an agility to take losses and adversity without going crazy. Read it to me again. You, patience, right. you need patience, discipline, and patience, an agility to take losses discipline, and adversity without going crazy. Patience, patience discipline, discipline, agility. Agility, the ability, the, the, the willingness to adjust when you're taking losses and, and going through adversity. I mean, that's a heck of a lot of qualities. Jeez Louise. Oh, that's all you need. <laughs> well, essentially what, what he's saying is be ready for the companies you own to go down 50% and be cool about it. That's all. <laughs> yeah, those are the, those are the quote all. losses. <laughs> In other words, those are, those are what Charlie and Warren would call <laughs> marked to market losses, right? Those are not real losses. I feel like sometimes with some of the things he says, I need to mentally put that other quote that you just said, which is something like, this definitely isn't easy. Like, don't expect it to be. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. If you like, think yeah, that's easy, all you need. Just some patience, the ability to take losses, perseverance, persistence, more patience, emotional fortitude. Good luck. Well, it's one of the reasons I love hiring guys who have been in special forces, SEALs, Delta, they have the ability to take adversity and stay really rational. Hmm. It's, it's a super difficult thing. You're 100% right. And, you know, almost everybody that works with me is, you know, coming out of that environment. And, man, alive. It's, it's fascinating to see how, you know, that skill set 
comes into the world of investing and becomes very valuable. Yeah, well, it's like when we started and you told me, what are you so nervous about? You're not getting shot at. (laughs) And I was like, is that really the analogy we're going to use in this situation? (laughs) I mean, to a large degree, that stays. Thank goodness. Hello, like, are you gonna? This is not a negative in my life. Think about how emotional people are. I mean, we've played Monopoly, right? And people get very emotionally attached to winning Monopoly. Okay. I don't know. Do they? Well, some people do. Some people get right. really into it. They get really serious about a monopoly game. It's just for fun and there's no real money involved. I mean, that, that's just how people are. They get emotionally cranked up. And holy crummy, if, you, if you're having that kind of an emotional connection to a monopoly game, what's it going to be like when you've got your retirement on the line? Yeah. And those companies that you bought are going down by 30% with a market crash because of COVID, let's say. Yeah. How do you handle that? Yeah, it's very difficult, I think. Right? Well, I think it's damn near impossible unless you have a strong, rational understanding of why you own those businesses, which most people don't have. I mean, there's 75 million people out there investing in indexes and mutual funds. When those things start going down, they don't have the foundation to be able to handle that without really kind of going crazy. I mean, people get devastated when the market crashes. Yeah, totally agree. Whereas, you know, hopefully as rule one investors, what you guys are learning is that you'll own a few companies that you do understand. And when they go down, you'll understand why they're going down. And hopefully it has nothing to do with them. And they will be long-term great investments. And then you can just sleep well and buy more while (laughs) sitting down there. All right. More Munger quotes next time. Yep. Absolutely, guys. Okay. Uh All right. Until then. Thanks, everybody. All right, see y'all. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And I'm really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.